0: alright pussy (laughs) so uh, do you know what the matches we're going to talk about the most is nope war games
1: (laughs) god that was a spike that'll be fixed in the post Welcome everybody to the Pro Wrestling Rollup, a TMOF Wrestling podcast brought to you by Me Ash. And I am Russ. Welcome everybody to the show. Before we begin, we would just like to take this moment to thank everybody for listening. If you are a new listener, welcome aboard. To all returning listeners, thank you very, very much for all of your support. Uh, we are on YouTube. We've just recently released an unboxing video for WrestleCrate UK.
0: Yeah, um, pretty happy with it.
1: It's uh, gone considerably well, considering uh, we do need to invest in some more equipment, which we are going to be doing. Um, So keep your eyes peeled each month for those. We'll have some more videos coming out soon as well. Later on this evening, we will be, uh, actually it'll probably be tomorrow by the time it drops, but we will be releasing our Extreme Rules predictions ahead of WWE's pay-per-view, or sorry, premium live event this Saturday. I know, it's, it's a hard habit to break.
0: It is, it is. Hard habit to break. But now with Vince gone, I would have thought they would have changed it back. But they've done everything Vince has done in the
1: <laughs> But everybody, thank you again for, for all of your support. Um, wherever you listen to us, please make sure to follow. If you're on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe, uh, like, share, everything else. It really, really honestly helps us a lot. And we're kind of getting a bit more close to where we want to be, um, which is... Yeah, I, I'd say so. Which is in your ears. That's where I want to be. Yeah, don't remember do that pay per view <laughs> in your ears. <laughs> okay, Ash, tell the folks what are what are we going to be discussing uh, as our main topic
0: today? Well, our topic today is looking at war games and matches that have multiple rings involved in them. Yes, let Wait, the war gonna, games begin. Who's going to say it now? He's gone to AEW.
1: We do need a British. It can be because
0: you can't. The only one that could do it is probably going to be Drew, isn't it?
1: I reckon. Let Byron have a go. Let Byron Saxton have a go. Hey guys, let the war games begin. <laughs> That's not a g. <laughs> um, that far off we talk. <laughs> uh, thank you. Finally, I've been acknowledged for my amazing impressions. Yes, the war games. A match beyond. Uh, it is a match, as Ash has said um, just earlier on, that it involves multiple rings. So. Particularly two rings in this instance, and of course the reason for being like we we were going to bring this episode out some time ago, and uh, you know th- other things sort of happen and get in the way and we start doing that and then obviously then all the Vince stuff happens, um, but of course recently we've heard the announcement that Triple H is going to be bringing back the War Game stipulation uh, and applying it to Survivor Series, yep, which to me I I feel is kind of you know it's like two birds of a feather, really, isn't it? It kind of feels like
0: they were made for each other. One on ITV, one on BBC. (laughs) It does, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I I like the the old-school Survivor Series matches, but I do think it's been watered down so much in recent years with the constant SmackDown versus Raw that no one cares about.
0: No, because usually, by this time of the year, they're going to draft and... People go on SmackDown that are on Raw and people that were on Raw and Team SmackDown. Which never
1: helps because, again, you know, I'm not, how am I supposed to believe that someone who just left one brand to go to the other all of a sudden now bleeds that colour? You know, it was always, every now and then I think it, it wasn't so bad. And there have been certain points in time where I think that stipulation um, or, you know, that reason for getting in the ring has been successful. Like I, it has made me at least interested. But they were more sort of during Stephanie and uh, Stephanie and Eric Bischoff years, like that felt like a proper rivalry between SmackDown and Raw.
0: That's what it was meant to be. Yeah, that's why they did the brand split.
1: And that's when, and because it was the first time they'd done it, and it was new and it was fresh then. Mm -hmm. But you know, you fast forward twenty years later, and it's it's not fresh anymore, and there's just there's there's no stakes in it. You know, the best Survivor Series matches have always been the ones that were just there for pure entertainment value or they were just telling a really good story. And I still think my all-time favourite uh, Survivor Series, traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match, is from the 2003 event, and that yeah, is Team right. Austin versus Team Bishop.
0: That's my. That's one of my favourite matches of all time. Of all time? Yeah. Wow. Because, because the way it, it's one of the things, that it's got the things I've got that I like in wrestling. The story in. Yeah. The, it had the high stakes. Oh, it did, yeah the blood does help Shawn michaels and it's a great Shawn michaels performance
1: fantastic Shawn michaels performance but it did a really good job of kind of putting over like like a randy orton yeah uh, because well he was was obviously very young and early into his career at the time
0: 23
1: you know he'd been on wwe television for maybe just over a year at that point if that
0: uh well debuted in 2002 but had a lot of injuries and evolution
1: would have been well of course yeah so he wouldn't have even been on tv for a year
0: no he'd been in evolution for about three or four months really, because they had that that original run, then both him and Batista got hurt at the same time and then they were off TV for a bit. So, yeah. And it also began Orton's run of being the sole survivor in every match he was in for, like, five years.
1: (laughs) History. History at Survivor Series is rich. And that is just one of those many interesting facts, I suppose, of Survivor Series. And we're going to step into a new era now, uh, I would imagine, for Survivor Series. If War Games uh, does pick up and the people are really into it, and this becomes a yearly tradition now for uh, the Thanksgiving special, then, well, yeah, this is a new era. Well, you'd, think,
0: you'd think so with the NXT run, how good those matches have been.
1: There's never been a bad NXT, um, there's literally never been a bad NXT War Games event. No? no. Um, I mean, there's never really been a bad NXT TakeOver, is there? But every War Games match itself as well, they've all been great, I thought. Um, but yeah, we are here today to talk about War Games. The history of war games is what I am interested in to start with on the show. War games, Ash. Where did it begin?
0: In Jim uh, Crockett Promotions, I think it's a dusty idea, isn't it?
1: It's a dusty, dusty, dusty invention. Dusty Rhodes uh, is the is credited as the inventor of war games because he is just that. He created war games. It was his concept. Do you know what gave him the uh, inspiration? Um, no, oh, I know you know this.
0: Uh, it's because I was gonna say Mad Max, but I don't think that's right. It is, is it Mad Max?
1: Mad Max beyond Thunderdome,
0: but but they would have, I'm sure they had a Thunderdome match
1: anyway. So it's the way Dusty tells the story.
0: Can you do it as with his impression? <laughs> oh,
1: no, I've stepped in it now. I don't know if I can do it, Dusty. I'll try, but I don't want to be disrespectful. I'll, I'll give it my best. All right, go on. So I, to, I Jim Crockett, I there No, no,
0: no, I, no, no,
1: I t- think... I, say. I say. we can't do... We, can, we can't... It's <laughs> turning to a cartoon now. Sylvester so the Cat. Sylvester, so I know. <laughs> that was terrible. I don't know, do I carry on? Do no. I save face? Okay.
0: Save so heel.
1: <laughs> so he comes up with the idea after watching Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and he takes the... Uh, he, he's drawn up the ideas in his head that he, he's basically looking at the cage match, which is already a fixture and a staple in pro wrestling up to this point.
0: It's a live event, isn't it? It's like the Great American Bash tour they used to do for a few years. I'm not sure it's to rival anything WWE did at the time because you know how like Survivor Series was made to come, um, do Starcade or whatever it was. and They, um, they, would, they would have... Clash of Champions during WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, so there was always something... Yeah, Survivor Series was there to kind of rival Starcade. Yeah. That's the Thanksgiving tradition. It's seven, it's- I, it, it, it was um, It was part of the American Bash tour when they was doing that because the first two are kind of within the same month in July of 87, I think it is. Oh,
0: 87. Oh. Yeah,
1: I think 87. And then the, the, he he comes up with the idea, he draws up the this design kind of being inspired by both the uh, Beyond Thunderdome film from Mad Max and the Cage match, where his idea was, well, what if we had a cage with a a roof on it, which on its own is eventually what becomes Hell in a Cell.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But before Hell in a Cell, there was War Games. And quite a bit before Hell in a Cell, there was War Games. Literally, I think 10 years before. So, first Hell in a Cell is 97, 97. so it is about 10 years yeah. before. Um, to me, be, as we we're recording, it's nearly the 25th anniversary. What, of Hell in a Cell?
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh,
1: but yes, he comes up with the idea uh, to also then just have two rings together. And one of the big things about it that he was really keen on was having the cage lowered. So this is still at a point in time when a cage match isn't how we know it today, where it's lowered from the ceiling. You know, the the guys, the ring crew, everybody has to go out and start setting the, the walls of the cage up.
0: Yeah, which usually take would take a while.
1: So as Dusty puts it, it would take them about an hour, and everyone's yeah. just sort of sat there waiting. And he wanted this one to be lowered from the ceiling, which, again, I suppose at the time, people are looking at him and thinking, you're crazy.
0: Yeah. But...
1: You you, th- you think now and like it's crazy to think that we would sit there watching a live show and watch people
0: put up a cage panel by panel, so I'm sure there was a there was a WWE or it might have been WCW event where they are focusing on the announcer team because they they're trying to do a cage and it's taken forever because they don't have, they couldn't put it in properly.
1: Yeah, I imagine there was always problems like that, but yeah, the the cage itself was going to have a roof on and it was to show sort of the, the imminent danger that people would be in once they stepped in there, hence war games. Now, that's the inspiration behind the match, but why did Dusty want the match?
0: Um, I think it's to be innovative, because what else can you do with a cage match?
1: To be innovative, yeah, but there was a storyline reason for having war games.
0: Uh, Let's see, 87 would probably be Four Horsemen.
1: It was. The idea hmm. of the, the War Games match was supposed to be um, a specialty match for the Four Horsemen.
0: If that's so, why did they keep losing it? Well,
1: <laughs> I know. But then you can say that about a lot of people's specialty matches. Well, uh, a lot yeah. of matches that people are known for now, are, they've not necessarily won most of them.
0: Well, how many buried Alive matches did Anteco win? Mm. About two? But the match is synonymous but with he, Taker. But he always was the one that got buried really at the end. And it's the same for Hell in a Cell, really. Yeah, I'd say Hell in a Cell, the Alan Taker's thing. But he it's more Triple H's thing as well, because he needed a light cost too.
1: But that's the reason. It was to, to be the Four Horsemen's uh, specialty match at a time, of course, when Dusty Rhodes was kind of deep into uh, feuding with them. Um, the The match itself, then, a match beyond. So that particular part of the name, that's important when you're talking about war games. Why was it called war games a match beyond?
0: Is it like a feud ender type thing?
1: Not, well, I mean, it is, yeah, but that's not the reason why they called it a match beyond.
0: I can't really think.
1: It's because of the rules of the match. So because of the the match, obviously the stipulation is that you'd have two people start from each team. um, for It's like five, I think there's been some variations, but for five minutes and then two minute intervals thereafter, you'll have... You know, whoever at this point in time it was whoever won the coin toss. Obviously, nowadays we see matches lead up to it, and you know whoever well, gains the advantage is the first team out or, that, or first member out.
0: Well, that's it because of what they're doing. Because NXT has always been the ladder match. I think coin toss is better, really.
1: Coin toss is interesting, and that's that's how it's done here. But uh, yeah, they, they the idea was obviously then two minutes each person comes out, but the, because the match doesn't officially begin until everybody is in the rings. Yeah. That's the match beyond.
0: I always find it funny that people would literally hit their finish, even in the first few minutes.
1: <laughs> well, some of those earlier matches, so we've been watching quite a few of them. Yeah. Um, some of them are, are wild, really. And to be honest, I think it's crazy to look back now at some of those matches and see, like, again, re-experiencing that road warrior pop.
0: Well, I think it's in a lot of them. They were
1: in a lot of them. And to be honest, I mean, (laughs) there are a lot of familiar faces. So if we look at WCW's War Games, and because again, you know, from Jim Crockett and then into WCW, War Games, that's where it it made its home. That's where it's become... um, essentially what it is today you know nxt is then probably the next one i would say that's that's brought it out to life more it has been done other places and in other promotions and we'll talk a bit about them yeah, later we'll get to that. um but the, the you know the actual just side by side rings with the cage over it with the roof on top which is obviously not what we get now um you're saying about they've been in a lot of them do you, do you know the statistics for who has been in the most war games matches
0: is this including like just
1: WCW? Not NWA that...
0: WCW. So all of the names put together. Um,
1: Out of everybody that's been in,
0: I would have said because he was in. He would have been in a few stables. Arn Anderson. Uh,
1: I believe Arn Anderson is one of two, but I think he's a joint first for most war um, games matches. I think.
0: Well, uh, I'm pretty Dusty sure Dusty would probably be would have been my number one, but. I, I, believe, be I believe
1: the first, I believe the the two individuals that have been in the most war games matches are Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard.
0: Actually, that does make sense. With, the, with again four be, for the four
1: horsemen, Arn Anderson, I'm sure, uh, has won the most. I th- as I said, I, I think maybe Tully as well, maybe maybe joint with him. But Arn certainly, I think that there were 31 war games matches in total across Jim Crockett Promotions and WCW. Right. There were 31, and Arn Anderson was involved in 19 of them. Jesus. So he's definitely had the most appearances. As I said, I would have thought it would have been alongside Tully. I can't remember a time they weren't together. I know the the Horseman um, stable had changed in terms of the members over time. Yeah, I think when... But he was a staple of the faction.
0: It might have been like the early 90s, maybe, when Tully... Didn't come back?
1: That could, yeah, so maybe. Because obviously Arn does... I suppose it depends if they're counting things like Doomsday and stuff like that in there. But I think could it's be. just... I think it is just War Games. Just the War Games matches as they would have been presented through Great American Bash Tours. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, where it makes its move to uh, full brawl. And then eventually, in, you know, into like World War Three variations and things. But again, I we like can't really count them either because that's different. Yeah. Um, they're the two at the very, very top. But who's won the most?
0: I, I did check this out. I think it's the World Royals because I don't think they lost a single one.
1: I think it's Dusty Rhodes.
0: Well, is it? I'm only thinking. i only thinking because they did the, like the tours, so it's basically the same match over and over. Dusty Rhodes,
1: I'm sure, has won the most. It because on the basis that he has never lost one,
0: it makes sense.
1: He's never lost one, so. And I think it's safe to assume, um, you know, Dusty's been in at at least, to my knowledge, I think Dusty Rhodes has been in at least six, no, five maybe? All right. At least five or six war games. He's definitely been in in a roundabout that number and he's never lost one. So maybe it is more then, because you think of like Arn Anderson and how many he's been in. He must have lost a lot.
0: Well, does that include like the Grand and Bash tour?
1: I think, yeah, I think this will include the tours. I mean, you have to remember that war games actually started out as a as a house show. Yeah, for I suppose to see how it would get along with, um, with the audiences.
0: Kind of like how the Rumble was.
1: Yeah, that, basically. The yeah, the
0: Rumble started as a house show then.
1: Oh, actually, I've got Dusty Rhodes tied at the top with victories with Nikita Koloff. Okay. Eleven victories apparently, but that is as per Google forward slash Wikipedia. Which isn't really a thing. I can imagine that probably would be the case. Cause is, does the booker of <laughs> the creator of war games, and then the booker of of these matches at certain points, does he is that booking yourself to win or?
0: He won a lot of the battle bowls. That was his creation, which was like a battle royal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, I, I think it's safe to assume that Dusty Rhodes won the most War Games matches.
0: It probably did. And like there was, we're probably going by, that's probably going by televised when I mean, there was obviously some that aren't televised, like um the, the Great American Bash tours they used to do in the 80s.
1: Yeah. Obviously the Steiners have both appeared in them. Some other key notable names. Um, oh, I can tell you
0: my favourite name that was in there. Go on then. Shockmaster.
1: Any... Shockmaster was indeed, yeah. Is there any other names that were surprising for you of people that had been in it?
0: I've just seen. I've just seen a name that I can't believe was in the war Games. But these these were more, more like the uh, the Hell Show ones. Yellow Dog. Yellow Dog. Who's that? Have a guess. The Yellow Dog. Never heard of him. It's Brian Pillman under a mask. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Brian it, Pillman, it, it, the it Yellow could, Dog. He would walk with a gold lab. Wow. <laughs> I mean the character. The character. Yeah. Was. Only for
1: a brief period, so... I, I, I wonder why.
0: <laughs> I think the
1: idea that stunning Steve Austin had been in a War Games yeah, the, match was... because
0: yeah, the one we watched from 92, and he was doing things I couldn't believe Steve Austin ever did. Like, he did um, a forward roll into the turnbuckle. <laughs> I would
1: really... I really implore people to go and watch the the 92 War Games yeah, match. was very good. Um, um, it's really good. Sting Squadron uh, versus... Like, Danger Alliance. The Dangerous Alliance with Paulie Dangerously... I'm just trying to remember who was on the team.
0: Uh, that um, was um, Rick Rude.
1: So it was it was it was a hell of a lineup from like both oh, oh, yeah, both think, sides. But yeah, Rick Rude, um, Steve Austin, Stunning Steve Austin. I think Beautiful Bobby,
0: Bobby Eaton, was in it? Um, Sabisco, Larry Sabisco, Arn Anderson,
1: Larry Sabisco, Arn Anderson, and then you've got uh, someone else in
0: it. Mean, that team was that like, five. That was five, right? Five, it? yeah. Then, then you've got
1: Sting. Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes in his first ever. That was his first ever War Games match. Um, so you know, surprisingly,
0: some, he won. Some history, yeah.
1: <laughs> some history there for him, I guess. Um, yeah, Dustin Rhodes. Oh, I can't remember who else was it. Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat, of course. Yeah.
0: Um, Nikita Koloff. Have we mentioned them.
1: Nikita Koloff.
0: Barry Windham.
1: Barry Windham. I'm going to tell you who I think the surprising ones were for me. Um, I was pretty surprised, like you said. I was surprised at the Shockmaster. Master.
0: Our new Shopmaster, 'cause because obviously that that big promo was leading up to War Games.
1: Oh well, like I've known for a long time he was in it, but I mean, yeah. just surprising that that's a name that you would see in it, kind of thing. Um, David Boy Smith had been in one.
0: Yeah, that, that, the obvious shop Master one. Um,
1: uh, I I I hadn't. I I, it makes perfect sense, but Terry Funk.
0: Yeah, it does actually. And Kamala. Yeah. That would have been Dungeon of Doom,
1: wouldn't
0: it? Yeah. NWO Sting, not not the, not the, not the Sting, but NWO Sting.
1: Well, that's the, you've got the the Triple Threat one from there, isn't it? You mean the Wolfpack?
0: No, 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 this was the fake Sting. Oh,
1: fake Sting. Oh, yeah, that's in, It's the same match, though, isn't it? Team WCW uh, versus Team no, NWO versus Team
0: Wolfpack. Ninety-six.
1: Is it? Ah, oh, this was ninety-seven
0: then. Okay. Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight one. Ninety-eight. With Warrior, who only in it for like two minutes.
1: If it's that. a great entrance, yeah. It's a fantastic. The smoke all comes out.
0: Which is his, um, his stunt double. Well, it's not a stunt <laughs> double. What what that was, from what I know of, there was Do a. Let rest... give some
1: context to the show first. What, what was going on? '98.
0: Yeah, I can. I, I can tell you about the. What I can tell you about Elmer, that Elmer Warrior bit was there was a character called the Renegade, which was the, the WCW bargain bin version of War, Elmont Warrior in for like the mid nineties. And had to get stopped because Ultimate Warrior was going to sue him. <laughs> but um, during that show, another thing that happened during that show was um, because there was a trap door and they never told people it was there. And Bulldog landed badly on it. Oof. But the match itself, I have seen it, not in a while, because it was Gold. Was it Goldberg, Piper, and Warrior versus? Hogan, Bret Hart, I want to say, um, what's his name? Booker T's brother, Stevie Ray? Yeah. I want to say that was him, is it? Against the Wolfpack of Sting, Kevin Nash, and I'm drawing a blank here. Hang on, see so if I can find it. <laughs>
1: This was all in the same match, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Oh, I found it. There we go. Uh, Sting, Luger, and Kevin Nash. Because DDP, Raleigh Piper, Warrior against Hogan, Stevie Rainbow. Uh, Which just, just sounds cause...
1: Luger had some um, good showings in War Games as well. It's worth mentioning. He's probably one of those names that you're tied to War Games.
0: Yeah. Um, can we count WWE names that we have surprised? Or do you want to just talk about what, for the ones
1: from NXT or yeah. Well, I, we'll probably move into the NXT one now then if you want. Um obviously after WCW went under in two thousand one, with the side of some um obviously I th- I think there would have been some indie promotions using the war games uh, one. I know MLW did a yeah, war games. Yeah, that's what I was gonna
0: bring up, because they had the name War Games. Yeah. I don't know if they were allowed to.
1: Well G C W do war games. Yeah. And call it War Games. So I don't know what the legalities are in it all, but um, of course, AEW have got Blood and Guts, which yeah. is War Games.
0: And for the longest time, the only way I knew about War Games was the Lethal Lockdown from TNA. But, <laughs> but that's one ring. Yeah. But it's basically got the same thing.
1: It's still brought about... For, yeah, I mean, it's it's still inspired by War Games, like so many other matches. And again, we'll, we'll come to all of those. But yeah, we don't... Re- on the main stage... Uh, for a mainstream audience, we don't... Well, I say mainstream audience, but even that's probably not quite accurate. But we don't actually see War Games reemerge until
0: 2017.
1: Yeah. Where Triple H brings War Games back as its own uh, NXT TakeOver special. Uh, and, of course, brings both the rings and the cage surrounding the ring, but with the tweak that there's no top on the cage.
0: Which I don't have a problem with, personally, only because you have the the jumping off the cage... Because mm. the going back to the old NWA WCW Jim Crockett, one of the one of the moments that's hard to watch now during War Games is 1993, where Sid tries to powerbomb Brian Pillman, but because Sid's so tall, Pillman's uh, legs touch the top of the cage and he gets dropped on his head.
1: Yeah, you could see there was um. I, I, I still maintain I like the look of it. Yeah, the old one, but it fits that era. I I I agree with you. I think now you kind of have to not have a top on it. Um, That's the idea. Well, I say not have a top on it. Obviously, AEW does it with blood and guts,
0: but no one seems. But they always come out,
1: and they come out, so it's fine if you're going to book it like that. And they've done the same finish twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, but yeah, for for the way NXT does it now, it's it it works, isn't it? It It does. Because you're always going to have somebody in there that's going to do some sort of, you know. Risk-taking, risk risk-taking move off the off the top of the cage, but yeah, twenty seventeen is where it reemerges. But it it doesn't reemerge exactly the same way uh, that it was it was debuted obviously in Jim Crockett promotion. So we get that three-team stipulation,
0: yeah. like we said with the ninety-eight.
1: Exactly for this one, it was the undisputed Era that walked out victorious, yeah. and that team at the time was just composed of Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. Um, and they beat the Authors of Pain with Roderick Strong, yeah, who's with them at the time, still a face and Sanity members, uh, Eric Young, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolfe. Which so,
0: was the match that made Killian Dane, I think, for a while, for, for at least for, for a while,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think though as well, it gave I think it solidified undisputed error. Um, yeah, because
0: they hadn't been around that long. I think this is their it might have been their first big match.
1: It was kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, when The Shield debuted in the WWE and it was kind of the TLC felt like it was their yeah their thing, you know, because of that sort of, that was their first big match from debuting and the, and it was just an insane match.
0: And funny, funny enough, they never had another TLC match as a team.
1: They didn't, which is strange when you think about it, considering how closely it was related to yeah, them. Yeah, because
0: but... Undisputed Era were in every War Games match they were in the company, so... They were. But, but they,
1: fast forwarding a couple years though. So I think by the time we get to, I believe now it's 2019, we actually get our first women's war Games match, but yeah. not the first ever war, uh, women's war Games match ever. Go on then. So this is the first one for WWE and for NXT, obviously, cause this is where it was at the time. And bearing in mind, like I said before, when I say to a mainstream audience, NXT still wasn't technically mainstream because it's, it's still in the WWE network at this point. So it is mainstream, obviously, because it's WWE, but you're not reaching the, the same amount of you know homes as SmackDown and Raw, right? Um, but that one was Team Ripley versus Team Baszler. Um, the teams consisted of Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, uh, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, and they defeated Team Baszler, which was, of course, Shayna Baszler, yeah. Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Ray. Um, Alba,
0: Alba Fire now. Is it Alba
1: Fire? Uh, think, Alba Fire now. It's, like it's there, isn't Fire, it? isn't it? Yeah. NXT 2.0 but um, yeah that was the first one there but the first ever women's war games match Ash, do you know anything about it?
0: Um, was it Pro Wrestling Eve? Oh, is... No there's the second one So, like, uh, what was the first one?
1: There's a big name in AW that was in it that's a clue I suppose if you've got kind of anything there but Britt Baker? No, Mercedes Martinez
0: oh, I see it now, yeah
1: it was she she was in I don't know all the other names of the people in it um but it was like a it basically is an indie oh, promotion it. wasn't it is, is um, United
0: was it uh, womens superstar uncensored
1: women's that was it women's women's, women's superstars United it's like a football team um yeah women's superstars Uncensored in 2011 so they were a few years ahead
0: yeah I, um <laughs> I've just seen what happened in the match is it's one ring War games, though.
1: They're still classed as war yeah. games, though. So we we have to acknowledge it.
0: Uh, it's a, it it's acknowledge a, me. It says here that it was a uh, two teams of three: Martinez, uh, Mercedes, Martinez, uh, Alicia, and Brittany Savage on one versus Jessica Havoc, Alison K, and Sassy Se- Ste- Sassy Steph. And the, and the way the way the, the the finish is this is this is great. Because this is something that probably would only happen on women's superstars uncensored. <laughs> probably pulling goats, actually, when you, think, when you see this ending. Um, The Midwest Matilla, uh, militia, which was the Jessica Havoc team, right. they won when Havoc threatened to murder and injured Ma- Martinez with a machete, <laughs> and Brittany Savage surrendered on Martinez's house. Wrestling! yes.
1: That's very blood and guts.
0: That is blood. Uh,
1: that's very very literal. I blood want. And guts. I
0: want to see this match now. Just to see.
1: <laughs> It'd be interesting. We'll have to see if we can try and find that. But I thought that was an interesting fact, and that's the trouble. Sometimes, you know, history is kind of always looked at as whatever WWE's been doing, or at least like the big, the big big companies. And yeah. there is stuff happening other places. Um, speaking of other places, we that's probably the best segue into blood and guts, but. How did Blood and Guts come along? Because this was a really rocky start.
0: Well, the name came because of Vince McMahon on a... Was it a um, conference call? Or it I don't was know. one of
1: those sort of quarterly conference calls, yeah. financial um, conference he, calls. Yeah, and you
0: mentioned about... Because someone asked about AEW, and Vince said about not doing any of that Blood and Guts crap.
1: Right. So they took that and rolled with it. Yeah. But obviously, it's Cody Rhodes that introduces the match that it's going to happen,
0: which would not a surprise when you know his dad created the match itself.
1: No, and it makes perfect sense. But when I'm talking about rocky starts, well, you know what we're referring to is, of course, the match itself was initially supposed to be the elite, which at the time were was going to be the members of Cody, the Young Bucks, and Kenny, along with what we thought was maybe going to be the Hangman or I don't know if Matt Hardy factored into it. I can't remember I think, exactly. I think
0: what happened was it was going to be Hangman, but because they did the storyline where he kept disappearing.
1: I think he was still going to be in it, but it was meant to be them taking on the inner circle. And, of course, we were, what? I mean, like a couple of weeks out from the show, or maybe even it was meant to be that night, but we get there and it's empty arena.
0: Yeah. It might the be- world
1: has gone into... Um, chaos.
0: I think it was empty arena anyway because I don't remember Matt Hardy being debuted with a crowd.
1: Well, Matt Hardy debuts on that that exact same episode. Is so it that the same episode? I'm sure it is. It's the same one as Brody Lee.
0: It might be. I'm
1: pretty sure it's all the same night. Um, but yeah, the sh- the show opens up with Cody just on his own in the ring, doesn't it? And you know he, he delivers a Cody promo, um, but. Yeah, again, like unprecedented time. But that really put a stop to it. And then by the time we actually do get Blood and Guts, because understandably they wanted to wait until it would be in front of a crowd. And by the time we get to Blood and Guts, then in front of a crowd, we're way past the elite.
0: Yeah.
1: And Cody's, you know, shoot not talking to him or whatever's happened there and everything else. But, um, you know, he, th- th- this is the point now where we're going to get the pinnacle versus the inner circle, which, you know, realistically, I think I prefer... I like the I I liked the idea. Of,
0: you know, it's well the idea of you don't know who would have won because if it was the elite, you probably would have guessed they would win.
1: I th- at the time probably
0: yeah. And
1: that's if you not... put because it would have been the first time they all teamed together. Yeah. So I can't imagine they would have all lost. Um, yeah, I think you're right, and also you know it was it was a really good moment for MJF. Obviously, people still talk about the the Jericho fall, the cardboard and, and the cardboard and stuff, but. Yeah, still a man who's who's in his, what, like 50s? Yeah. You know, falling off the off the roof of a cage. It's not, you know, still fair play to the bloke. I mean, I'm, he doesn't care what anyone thinks anyway. Um, yeah, it was it's a shaky start, but we do eventually get there. And then, of course, now this year we've had another one, this time with sort of that mix of the, the Blackpool Combat Club with, you know, Kingston and Ortiz uh, taking on Jericho's new faction, which is the Jericho Appreciation Society. And that was another really good one. I think I preferred this one. Yeah. I think I preferred this one.
0: Even though, like we said earlier, they did have someone thrown off the top again. Yeah, known off the same way again.
1: I dunno, I think this one was a lot more kind of awe inspiring, if you want to sort of look at it that way. You know, a lot more memorable for probably like better reasons. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Does this mean now that Jericho is probably the blood and guts? Man, like it's a specialty for the blood and cuts. Man, it's a specialty for you know Jericho's factions.
0: Well, if we say special team, doesn't mean you have to win. Then, well, it to...
1: is though, isn't it? Like, you don't have to win them all. No. Like you said, the four horsemen, it was meant to be their specialty match. And how many did they win? Probably none, not many, if any. I think they won one. They'd be like, if they was up against Dusty Roto, they lost. I'm pretty yeah. sure Dusty won every time he went against
0: them. So, did it... Probably Sting. Probably every single one apart from that 98 one.
1: Wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, it's... Blood and Guts is very, very clearly war games just without the war games banner on it. Like we said, GCW have had war games. They've called it war games. MLW's called theirs war games. There are variations of war games, though. So let's look at...
0: um, Going back to... Weren't they going to call it a match beyond AEW?
1: I don't know if they were ever going to call it the match beyond. Maybe they were.
0: I just think I just thinking they would go into, but they never did because probably they would have got in trouble. But that's not stopped anyone in the past. Eh? That's true. Can I? I've just found I just found a war games match. I can't believe this is true. This this is probably just Wikipedia taking the piss. <laughs> United Wrestling Federation in two thousand and seven had a war games match. Team Sergeant Slaughter. Rick and Scott Steiner, Dustin Rhodes and Kirby and TJ Mack defeated Team JBL. Homicide and Hernandez, Steve Carino, C.W. Anderson and Elix Skipper in a double ring, double cage Raw Games. Wow. Apparently apparently this happened. I would have thought JBL would have been only WWE because that would have been the time he was commentating. And this is actual JBL. It must be. Wow. It says Scott Sona submitted Carino to win.
1: Well, no, well I think I think team JBL is
0: Well, slow uh, uh, No, I think
1: JBL is just the Surely not. I want to find this see if it's true. We're going to have to find this. What a shocker. What a shocker out of nowhere. Um, so that's another one we got to look for. Yeah, <laughs> that's another one after the after the show. <laughs> Let's have a look at the variations of war games because it has uh, bore some interesting fruits (laughs) of of its labour in terms of giving us other types of match types that uh, you know echo the I suppose the 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 premise of a war games match. Like we said, go back to a Sale. We'll probably start with that one. It's probably the most obvious. Yeah, uh, having a cage. Um, with a roof on it, although this was a lot bigger and had the room for them to walk around outside. And then the first time we see that is Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at Bad Blood 1997. I believe Shawn Michaels has just started his another heel turn here, isn't it? He's just taken Taker with the chair, cost him the title as a special referee against Brett.
0: Around the same time as the beginning of DX, but not DX, because they weren't called DX for about two or three months after.
1: That's it. And it's also the debut of Kane. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. And it's where he starts his career there, obviously, uh, comes out at the end and, and attacks The Undertaker. Hell in a Cell was off to a big start, and they did a very good job with Hell in a Cell of marketing it as the the match that would change careers and like, shorten lives and everything else, wasn't it? It was always kind of marketed to you as this is them. And this is like what we've said before. We've always felt like Hell in a Cell was a, a feud ender. You know, yeah. Not just something that's, oh, it's time for Hell in a Cell then, this time of the year. Like, it was what you brought out to end a feud. You know, that's why it worked really well against the following year at King of the Ring 98 with Mankind, and we have the memorable moments there. Um, we get um, other amazing Hell in a Cell matches. I mean, the I have always I always think a really underrated one is Taker and Edge from SummerSlam in 2008 yeah, or that's, 7. That's no, not 8, know. I think it is. 2008, yeah. Um, that's a really, really underrated one. Uh, you've got obviously yeah. Mick Foley and Triple H. Two thousand, no way out. Probably the best Hell in a Cell match ever. Probably. Um, I think we're just talking about Hell in a Cell, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's the same. It was it was born from the same concept, yeah. um, as was the Elimination Chamber.
0: Technically, the same thing. It's it's yes because that's what. I believe when it was introduced by Eric Bershoff on Raw as the, as the idea, he mentioned it's going to be Survivor Series and War Games with a bit of Royal Rumble.
1: Yeah, because we what we need to remember is that Elimination Chamber, again, before it became its own pay-per-view, premium live event, Elimination Chamber was Survivor Series. It was debuted at Survivor Series 2002. Brilliant show. Very good show. And... It was a very good match and it was a very, very interesting concept. But yeah, it was absolutely bore from war games. And again, the concept is very similar. You wait to come into the match, um, although it's elimination style. So, you know, you don't have to wait till everybody's in before it starts.
0: But it's only you're on your own. It's not a team.
1: No, although we have seen a team elimination chamber match. Only one, to my knowledge. There may be more,
0: but they definitely did They, did, they definitely do a tag team one a few years back. A tag yeah. team one, but I'm thinking like um. They did do a tag team one. Yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, did you mean like there was a tag team where it was like three on three? Oh no, nothing like that. Which I did on the game, which I don't know why they did that. Because it's a game, you know. You got to have fun.
1: That's why you still get the six man Armageddon calendar sales. True, and they've only done and one. And only happened once.
0: <laughs> they did a five man on the as a dark match on after Raw. Yeah, which I don't think there's been any footage, but there's there's photos, so
1: so it did happen. It happened. It happened. But there, you know, elimination chamber, I would say, is a success story for WWE. Hell in a Cell, obviously a success story. And again, inspired by the war games concept. Not all matches though that have been inspired by war games or have tweaked on war games though have been a success. Like what first one that would come to your mind?
0: Well, like a multi-ring or are you talking about
1: well any match that would have been yeah so multi-ring obviously clearly would be inspired by war games but not all of them were necessarily multi-ring were they well like the some may have been multi-cage doomsday cage match yeah (laughs) (laughs) the doomsday cage match ash talk us through this one
0: well what was it wcw 1996 well yeah 96 um Hogan, an interesting time for WCW. Yeah. Hogan was feeding with the Dungeon of Doom, which was Kevin Sullivan. Uh, you had the Zodiac, which was Brutus Beefcake, in one of his many, many named characters he ever had in his life. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kamala was there. Mm-hmm. You would have Luger. Luger was in it.
1: Macho Man Hogan, red, well, red, white, and blue, yellow, and red.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well it, it was the mega powers, but I don't know if they could call them mega powers at the time.
1: They do mention they, they, they do did did reference megapowers after the could. match. They do. They say the mega powers are back. Which
0: <laughs> I mean yeah. Yeah, sure. one of the times they actually got along. <laughs> but um it was two it was two versus eight and don't know whose idea this was. And you had Yeah, you can't blame Russo, he's not there no, at I, this point. I think
1: it might be Shivani. No, Tony can't do wrong. Tony can do so no funny, wrong.
0: Like, uh, maybe I'm thinking of um, when they did the um, triple cage match. I, the, I the, would um, sooner that,
1: believe that this match was invented by Tony the Tiger than Tony Schiavone. How, you,
0: go, it's going to get in, going to, get to a bit later, but that triple uh, threat triple cage match between um, DDP, Jeff Jarrett, and David Arquette. I've only David Arquette's. I did for David Arquette to win the title was apparently Tony his idea. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Okay. But um, so you had Hogan and Savage v. Who was it? Flair, uh, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, Kevin Sullivan, Barbarian. Might have been Haku as well.
1: Flairs in there. Arn Anderson, you said those. Yeah. Um. Let me have a look. Yeah, Luger. There's, there's a lot of people in there, Bane, anyway. The original, oh, yeah, yeah, the guy that played a uh, Zeus. The, uh, Z-Man. Z-Man, Zeus, from No Holds Barred, yeah. They're all in there, but the idea, the concept is they start at a tiny little cage at the top, and they have to fight, and by they, that's Hogan and Macho Man. They have to work their way down to the ring. So there's a little tiny cage at the top, then there's another cage, isn't there, like a slightly bigger one below that one. Then there's another one, or is it... I think then it's there the was, ring, isn't it? It? Was, it was a... It's like a little tiny box. One one cage, another cage, and then the ring. And then the ring. So they have to fight their way out of the... It's very very strange, and you can win by getting out of the cage?
0: Well, if you say that, but they, they... But they have to get out of the cage. But they, they went into the actual ring that was already there... For like four or five minutes.
1: Yeah, it's 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 weird. Very very peculiar. Oh. Now the the mega powers, quote unquote, do win the match.
0: Do you know what um
1: Zeus's name was? I
0: just found it. Was it um the shark? Z Gangster. Z Gangster. And the guy that played Bane in the nineteen ninety seven Batman and Robin was called the Om Solution. Oh wow.
1: I don't know if that's uh That's got some um connotations to it, hasn't it?
0: Yes. Then again, who Ale- am I thinking of with the shark? That was um, earthquake. Oh, of course it
1: was. Yeah, the shark. Uh, yeah, this match was uh, to, bla- to bluntly put it, it was it was terrible.
0: Well, seeing um, as like they brought in Z Gangster and Solution in the last five minutes. Yeah,
1: it's it's re- it's a real messy match. The thing is, I can one hundred percent, I genuinely believe watching that as a child. I would have very much enjoyed you know, even the match could be rubbish, but the concept of it, like it does look cool, admittedly. It looks cool. Well Kevin Sullivan It just
0: it's just like logistically it's just kind of it doesn't make sense. Kevin Sullivan would say in shoot interviews that the idea was to always get Hogan to be over with the WCW fans. Well
1: the irony of course though is that after this match it wouldn't be long before he joins well, starts NWF.
0: It's yes. and what was this, like um April? March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six, and then NWI would have been July.
1: Yeah, so only about three short months. It must. Later.
0: It must have been like. I
1: guess the th- maybe the thought process is: well, if Doomsday match doesn't get him over, nothing will. <laughs> is, oh, I don't know. It's it's a very it is a strange. Considering it's concept. like the,
0: the the week before the Iron Man match between Michaels and Bret Hart. I
1: think pretty much mostly people are unanimously agreed upon that that match is, is not a very good interpretation and, and take on the war games concept there is one that I do see some people are divided over though and that is uh, the three rings
0: oh are they World War three World
1: War three three rings so what are
0: your thoughts on that well I only watched one of them but I can give I can tell you the rules and how it got how it uh, um please do so it was six, 60 man battle Royal. Uh every single person was randomly selected to be in a certain ring. So you had um three rings of twenty people. Um originally you could be all you eliminated by over the top rope and both feet such as the floor like a typical battle royal. In nineteen ninety seven, um eliminations could be when if you entered if you left the ring, either bottom rope or Whatever. Any any way you're out if you're out the ring. If, if your feet touch the floor,
1: you're out. Yeah. In
0: nineteen ninety eight, uh, they would allow pinfalls and submissions for the uh eliminations, which would have been an assay for the referees.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think even more so, it's 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 probably I think people need to remember as well sometimes this is when you're calling a match like that that's got to be so difficult to try and remember it all yourself as well yeah
0: because like trying to
1: remember all of these rules and, yeah. and then actually call in the action has got to be and
0: you've got to remember when your elimination occurs because you've got to concentrate on the other if you're the second man eliminated you've got to make sure you can see that first guy eliminated from the other ring um, when when ten men remain remain in ring one or ring three they will move to ring two and match concluded but in 1997, um, the competitors had to move to the centre ring once 40 men had been eliminated, and the last man standing would be the winner. Uh, also, the first, because there was like four, yeah, four times they did this match. The first time, there was title titles on the line because it just been vacated like the month before. And then after that, you'd get a title match at an uh, upcoming pay-per-view. Wow, and um, first winner was Macho Man Randy Savage. In kind of the same way, ninety-two Royal Rumble where Hogan gets eliminated, but he's really upset because he he was <laughs> pulled, he got pulled under the ring by the giant, but the referee didn't see it. They just thought he went over the top, and Hogan was like, "Ah, f- ah brother, brother, brother."
1: Yeah, one of those again. Hogan being a face, but. Yeah, he was a face when uh-huh. he's like... But starts whining like a heel.
0: Terry uh, H- Hogan. Yeah, 96 was won by the Giant and would get a title match at sold out 97. He was t- part of the NWO, but he would get kicked out because he wanted that title match, which is fair, I guess. But either way. Yeah. Uh, 1997 when it was Scott Hall in one of the funniest, stupidest endings ever, where he eliminates... It's... There was fifty nine people in the ring, at, at, and then near the end, Hogan comes out. He was a champion at the time, <laughs> and then Sting comes down. I was to say Sting comes down from the rafters. He was suddenly grown to be a seven foot tall Sting. <laughs> a great spurt. Kevin Nash was meant to be in the match apparently, but he was he didn't get in. And the commentators like, why is Sting helping out? The NWI. Why is Sting helping out the giant? Even though this seven foot Sting. Clear, it looks like clearly not Sting. <laughs> and has long hair. Which I mean.
1: That's yeah.
0: yeah
1: and, um, WCW I guess. Yeah. Or at least like. You know parts of it.
0: And then yes. Yeah, Scott Hall wins. Because. Um, Hogan pretends to be scared of this. This Sting. Yeah. Okay, Scott Hall wins. And then the last one was a. Bit different. Um,
1: How was it different?
0: Kevin Nash won it. Oh, oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> and it wasn't a <laughs> main event. They're different. The main event of the '98 one was DDP versus Bret Hart, which, which fine with.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely fine. What's your take on those overall? Then would you, would you say that the the War Games matches were successes?
0: War Games was yeah. World War Three. World War Three. Sorry, not 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 too much, because it's it, like I said, it's, it can be because sometimes they would show. Every single there'd be like a split screen of one two and three sometimes I just show one ring it's
1: the trouble those sort of matches always have the tendency to get messy at points like, like people say, aren't quite sure maybe what they're meant to be doing and you in all fairness you do see that with a lot of the earlier war games matches there are definitely points in there where there's a lot of you know they're not really quite sure what they're doing and people are just waiting for someone to sort of do a big spot or whatever yeah or you know hit the, hit their moment Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, in terms, of, you know, as far as some of the other WCW variants go, I I don't think it's as bad as Russo's Revenge.
0: Oh, what the two thousand?
1: Yeah, and, war games. and it's in two thousand, so that's I mean, enough I just, said.
0: I should you know actually. I don't think so. It's the one where Kevin Nash is, I would have refused to watch it.
1: Well, Kevin Nash is <laughs> Kevin Ash is the champion,
0: and the idea was kind of like that um, triple triple cage match I did early in the year with Arquette. Yeah, because
1: well, this took place inside the actual Ready to Rumble cage, yeah. wasn't it? And so. it was
0: on Nitro as well. Yeah. So the idea was, it was like, he wasn't, it was like, Goldberg. Um, uh, who was it? Goldberg. Um,
1: it was, it was, it was people in 2000.
0: I think that's all we need to say on it. I'll be honest. Sting, Booker T, Goldberg and Chronic... Chronic, yeah. Uh, against Russo's handpicked team of Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner, the House Brothers, and Russo, who's technically in the match. Wow. And yeah, the idea was the 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 belt is on top of um, the the uh, like the, the top of the, the the whole cage, and the idea was to bring it down, and then enter exit the cage. Wow. And the amount of times Kevin Nash. Um, threatened to beat up Russo and threatened to leave the team. But what's sad is it was probably the last appearance of Bret Hart, and no one remembers it.
1: It's not what Bret's remembered for, though, in terms of how. I mean, everyone just because he, you know, it's easy to forget that he comes back after that devastating kick from Goldberg. But it just, it yeah, never, never was enough, the same. Funny enough, he cost Goldberg is. the
0: match. Yeah. yeah, it's not remembered because Kevin Nash just wins. But,
1: Nah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. But, um, you know, overall, those matches, they're just not memorable. And when they are remembered, they are remembered very poorly, which is crazy when you think of how now successful War Games is. And I think a a large part of it does come from the fact that NXT really has breathed a new life into it. Um, I think if it wasn't for NXT being so good, you know war games might not necessarily caught on again no the same as anything so I took the question to Twitter and the public voted I asked the question who wore it better was it NXT war games or WCW well who do you think what what do you think won I
0: would say NXT because I reckon people would have only watched the NXT ones
1: I did think the same but that was not the outcome Jesus Um, almost, it was 75% of votes came through that WCW War Games matches were preferred over NXT, which I am quite surprised about. But I do wonder how much of that might be a generational thing. Yeah. So people that would have grown up with the WCW ones will probably be more fond of them, as we are fond of more from our own, um, sort of, you know, when we talk about Attitude Era and things like that. And again, we can absolutely objectively sit here and say that we know that not everything in the Attitude era was brilliant by a long stretch, nah. so it was absolutely awful. But there is nostalgia does play a massive part when you're when you're looking at things like this. I think as in terms of how a match is structured and how it, the excitement um level, I think NXT wins it by a landslide. But I do think because of how innovative and, and new and fresh it was for the time in WCW, for many reasons, like we said, you know, even the idea of having a cage being lowered, you know, and it had its own pyro yeah. On it and stuff, you know. The idea of, of the, the cage itself being, a, you know, almost like a, a a participant in the match. That was like the well, first the old, time it was really kind of...
0: Well, I was going to say the old quote of um, using it like a tag team partner.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it, it had its own character for the first time ever, didn't it? Like, it was almost like it had its own, you know, it had its own entrance and,
0: yeah. you know, when you look at it that way. So, yeah. It's like um, going back to the old TNA one. They would ha- not start with the roof off. Yeah. They would start with the roof off, and then when it was the last person, they would bring the roof down with pyro, and sometimes weapons on the top.
1: Sometimes. There's there's a few different variations, and some of them are good, some of them bad. Yeah. War Games, though, as a whole, it does have a very long and storied history, but with a very big gap in the middle for the mainstream. And as I said really at the start of the show, I think that this probably is going to be a new chapter for War games. I think we're going to see many more memories created in the double ring um, on an, on a yearly basis and I think that's Survivor Series. I think I will miss the traditional 5 on 5 Survivor Series matches um, potentially in time. It might be nice to see, you know, just the odd one again, but I I feel like this is absolutely the right time to freshen things well, up who's to say there won't be uh, one well I suppose at the moment it's too early to say isn't it but
0: it's still technically Survivor Series
1: they could t- I, I suppose they could technically do it without the cage
0: because even though we love 2002 there's no Survivor Series matches yes there are elimination matches but there's no traditional Survivor Series matches well
1: yeah that's true but also what we have to look at as well it's not always the War Games match that is you know obviously it's the marquee for the show but the fact that you have to have those two rings there for the whole night brings a whole new depth to the to the entire match card
0: especially when because they use... every
1: match even when you're not having the cage there you're you're going to use the other rings yeah that's why f- that's not not they don't do it in every match obviously but
0: no they would i wouldn't want them to it'd be one match in the first one and same match being the second one
1: yeah it's interesting it's an interesting concept triple h is tried and tested for all games and i and i really do think that we're probably going to be in for a bit of a treat with Survivor Series. I think that something special is going to happen there. I think, you know, we're going to get things with the bloodline, damage control. We're going to see, you know, a lot. Of, it, he's already said that he wants this to be. It's not going to be SmackDown versus Raw. It's going to be storyline driven. Yeah. that's exactly what I think the fans want, and I know it's certainly what I want. But I'm really looking forward to it. I I think War Games could be one of those matches now that people can really get excited to every year and then we can we can have that as the this the hell, get rid of the hell in a cell Pay the premium live event use hell in a cell for the match that the feud ending matches because we're going to get that cage thing every year anyway with the war games which i think is absolutely fine
0: yeah because they dropped tlc as a live premier live event
1: yeah that's great i love it i love the steps in these the steps were taken in these directions for wwe at the moment Everything feels fresh and exciting. War Games, uh, I think, could be here to stay.
0: Um, one, thing, one match that's just popped in my head that happened this year was after Blown Guts, I think on Rampage, they did a Battle Royal using both rings. Uh, okay. I think they did. But I can't tell you who won it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nope. Because it's late and we're getting old and we're tired.
0: And we don't want to play with kids.
1: And we don't want to. I feel like that was meant to be a punk it rip, was. but it honestly it came across a little different.
0: Isn't that what he said about playing? Did he play
1: working with children? Working with children,
0: that was it. Yeah. Wow. Well, s- same thing. You fucked up.
1: <laughs> I think to end this one, favorite all time war games match across any promotion, any promotion. I'd...
0: I still think my favourite one is the Undisputed Era versus uh, Kevin Owens, Domenicovic, Keith Lee.
1: Yeah, that's a good one, that.
0: And Tommaso Ciampa.
1: And that's for the finish, isn't it? Really? The whole match is great. The
0: whole match is great, but the finish, which we I forgot the, about for the table spot.
1: It's insane. The air raid crash from the the top of the cage is absolutely insane. And a
0: cameo appearance by Britt Baker. Yeah, <laughs> Adam Cole's girlfriend. Who? No. who AEW was around then, weren't it? It was, yeah. But
1: she was. They took her out of the. They edited her out.
0: Yeah, but she was barely used as much as she is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, enough, that's a
1: great one. That is an app. Abs- that really is a great one. I, I think my favorite of all time is the year before. I think the 2018 one with undisputed era against Pete Dunne Ricochet and the uh well the War Raiders at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: That was my I think that's my favorite one. But it is hard because it, it kind of is a toss up between that and the 92 wall 92 really yeah I I really think that was a that was a really good match and they're both very different um but you know they they're two matches I can I can happily sit there and watch and just be you know it just draws you in but you're absolutely right i mean nxt you could pick any of the nxt ones they do you remember, they're, they're like, all they're all fantastic I,
0: I wasn't a massive massive fan of the team 2.0 versus black and gold but yeah. that was a some
1: i think a part of that though was because of the the sort of the, the stuff behind it wasn't really you know i didn't really care for 2.0 obviously it's come a long uh, way since then and i i guess 2.0 is done with now as well so you know but yeah, out of, the, out of all of them, that's probably the weakest one. Also, it feels it felt weird sort of seeing you know, Undisputed it, Error not being in it, yeah.
0: Because I reckon they would have done Blood and Guts if there was no injuries. and.
1: Well, we won't get that now either. No, Bobby Fish has been... debuted on Impact.
0: There's a lot of stuff that won't happen. Because...
1: <laughs> <laughs> the world of wrestling, eh? The world of wrestling. You can never know. You should never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. No, True. Never know what you're gonna get. Big old fat rain. Jenny <laughs> I would say that probably concludes the podcast this week. Um talking about war games. We've had a little ramble, what we do on this one. Um I'm very tired for this one today, so I apologize. Mm. Um <laughs> <laughs> certainly we'll be back on form next week this was meant to come out last week actually but um we, we did get quite busy obviously we work as well yeah you know in our boring lives outside of the uh the wrestling chatter so um yeah always something going on but we appreciate you sitting with us until the end or lying down line line, yeah. you could be walking could be on a bus i don't know you could be doing a handstand
0: God, oh, just thought hour? of that
1: is making me really
0: tired. An hour-long handstand.
1: <laughs> if anyone out there could do an hour-long handstand, I'll t- take my hat off to you, sir, or well, madam.
0: Well, they can't because they are fall over.
1: They Well, that's true. But thank you very much for sticking with us on the episode. We really do appreciate your support uh, once again. If you do like the episode, do make sure to follow or like, subscribe, whatever the lingo is, um, wherever you listen. On Apple and Spotify, you can leave a five-star review. We would love that. We would appreciate that. We think that you should do that. Um, you can also check out YouTube. It's all TMOF Wrestling. We've got new stuff up on there. And you can find us on social medias, Ash. Uh,
0: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at,
1: MySpace. At MySpace, <laughs> Bebo.
0: I've never we've done that joke in a while. Um, <laughs> at TMOF underscore wrestling.
1: Hey, he's got it. That's it. And you can find uh, anything else. Obviously, you know, usually put up things that we've we've got coming up on there as well. Uh, But yes, please do make sure to check out the episode next week. Um, We've not quite decided what we're going to do yet for for next week's one. Um, But I think we might need to wait and see how Extreme Rules pans out.
0: Yeah, we'll probably talk about the best uh, fight pit matches, low match
1: Yeah, I think we'll be talking. We'll see what happens. And, of course, White Rabbit could be playing a massive part in it.
0: Yes, whoever that may be, bro, white, bro, white.
1: Bro, 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 bro. bro. Husky Harris, bro, bro, bro. But, yes, do check us out next week. Thank you very much for sticking along with the episode, wherever you are. Hope you're having a great day. Do stay safe. Enjoy the ride. We'll catch you on the flip side.
0: War Games.